Hello everyone, I'm Jacob Kaufman with Nerd on the Street, and welcome to Rolling Release, episode number 18. Rolling Release is our weekly podcast about the perpetual improvement of Linux. As you can see, I am by myself this week. Richard was once again unable to join us, so doing another solo episode here. And it's actually going to work out decently well, because switching over to our stories here... We actually don't have many stories to talk about this week anyway. Uh, the stories that we do have to talk about, I'm going to kind of deep dive into a little bit. As you can see, this is a lot more than I normally highlight in stories. So the first news article I found this week that was worthy talking about was Fedora having a little issue with NVIDIA proprietary graphics drivers, or rather having an issue deciding whether or not to support them. So Fedora, in case you're not aware, the four foundations of Fedora, the four kind of pillars that they're about, are freedom, friends, features, and first. And those have been the four the four Fs behind Fedora since I started using it way back when it was in version 14. Those four Fs have been around for a long time, and among other things, they do commit the project to being firmly within the free software camp. Free is in freedom, like I've talked about before, because the first F that we've got here is freedom. And then we've also got first in here because Fedora is known for providing leading edge software, including current versions of the Linux kernel. So depending on your distribution, you may or may not receive Linux kernel version updates. You might receive the updates a few months after they happen, or you might not receive them at all, uh, except for when you actually update versions of your distribution. Most distros these days do backport kernels to their older versions of the distributions, but not all of them. But Fedora specifically, new kernel versions traditionally are pushed out to all supported Fedora releases in relatively short order. However, recently, James Hogarth with the Fedora project noted that the Linux version of the NVIDIA proprietary driver did not work with the 4.13 Linux kernel. Now that kind of breakage is not super uncommon. Because NVIDIA is a proprietary driver, the kernel developers don't know what features of the kernel the drivers are using. So there's no way that the kernel developers can avoid breaking the NVIDIA driver. They just kind of have to try not to break it, and if they do, well, NVIDIA doesn't give us the source code, so they'll just have to update it themselves. As you can see in the article here, they say any problems that out-of-tree code experiences, such as the NVIDIA kernel driver, that comes at the cost of staying out of the mainline kernel. So that comes at the cost of making a proprietary driver rather than making an open source driver that can be implemented into the kernel or using a user space API, which would be hard to do with a driver. So traditionally, if you're using NVIDIA on Fedora, either use the open source kernel or don't complain when your proprietary kernel breaks. Uh, however, recently as part of an effort to attract more users, the Fedora distribution has been split into several editions. They've got the workstation edition, the cloud edition, and the server edition. Out of those three options, if you're going to pick one to install on your personal computer, you're probably going to pick the workstation version. And the developers behind that version are, for obvious reasons, concerned with proper graphics support. However, what is new and why this article is newsworthy is that their concern with proper graphics support, it would seem, has extended to support for proprietary drivers. This is a quote from Christian Scaler from the Fedora Project back from the Fedora 26 release. Quote, we do plan on listing the NVIDIA driver in GNOME software soon without having to manually set up the repository. So soon we will have a very smooth experience where the NVIDIA driver is just a click in the software store away for our users. Now that's great PR talk. Oh, one click driver installation. That's awesome. But let's think about this. Why did Fedora not have NVIDIA drivers in the repositories in the first place? Because they're proprietary. 
So if you're not including the driver in your default repositories, why would you provide a one-click install method for people to install the proprietary driver? Um, because you're making it just as easy, if not easier, to install the driver than it would be if you just listed it in your default repositories. Now, Red Hat runs Fedora, and Red Hat is very much legally run. They are run by people who pay attention to the legalities of proprietary versus free software. So I'm sure Christian Scaler, if he was on this show right now, he would respond to me, well, the reason we can't just include it in our default repositories is legal reasons. But we can include a one-click install as long as the one-click install doesn't use our repositories. When you start saying that, though, you're really saying that proprietary software is not any worse than free software and the only reason you ever avoided proprietary software was just for legal reasons that kind of ignores this freedom thing that's one of the four foundations of fedora but this is where fedora is going and they've got this negativo repository which as i understand it's a repository just for the nvidia driver because once again for legal reasons they can only ship proprietary things by default if they are in their own repository with one single package I've seen Fedora contributors say online that if a repository has more than one package, it cannot be included. It can only be considered by the legal team for inclusion if it only has one package in it, if we're talking about proprietary packages being included in Fedora. So like I said, James Hogarth was the one that noted that the NVIDIA driver stopped working with Linux kernel 4.13, and he asked in a message whether the broken NVIDIA driver was a sufficient reason to hold back the deployment of the 4.13 kernel. Now the response from Josh Boyer was clear absolutely not because like we said earlier in this article the kernel project defends its right to change internal interfaces at any time any problems that arise from that that's the cost of staying out of the mainline that's a pretty clear-cut statement right there but now we've got Michael Catanzaro basically throwing freedom out the window and deciding it's more important that people's graphics cards work at the best possible efficiency he says, quote, the NVIDIA driver from that repo is supported and it needs to not break. And, you know, that is something they need to decide is, is this driver supported or is it not? Now, if they're going to be shipping a one-click install for it in GNOME software, then yes, that would kind of be supported. If they want to not support it, they probably shouldn't be shipping a one-click installer for it. Now this is kind of strange, Michael says, we've been super lenient with allowing kernel updates in the workstation product, since it seems to be working well for everyone involved, but that would need to be reconsidered if a kernel update intentionally breaks an important subset of our users. Now right off the bat, I want to point out that wording, a kernel update intentionally breaks. When you say that they're intentionally breaking something, that would be if the kernel developers said, alright, there's the NVIDIA driver. They use X, Y, and Z in the kernel. Let's change those so that the driver breaks. But that's kind of impossible for the kernel developers to even do because once again, the NVIDIA driver is proprietary. The kernel developers have no idea what in the kernel NVIDIA is using. Now, the kernel drivers say if they accidentally break anything, once again, cost of staying out of the mainline. That is the kernel developers, the Linux kernel developers stance on the issue but now we've got somebody from fedora borderline accusing the kernel developers of intentionally breaking proprietary graphics card drivers when it's more likely the kernel developers are just doing their jobs and nvidia is the one not updating their driver to work with the new kernel i also don't like this language we've been super lenient with allowing kernel updates as if Updates to the Linux kernel are something that need to be allowed. We are blessing you with the 
permission to update your kernel. You know, I'm here on Arch Linux and I get kernel updates just as fast if not faster than Fedora gets them. Security updates for the Linux kernel are always coming out. Every single kernel update you see, you should install because they're always getting more secure in addition to always getting new features. So the idea that that Michael is saying we would need to reconsider allowing you to update your kernel if it breaks proprietary drivers, which is not what Fedora is about. We might need to reconsider letting you update to the most secure and featureful release. He says if Negativo NVIDIA users start complaining that their computers don't boot anymore, which by the way, the computers would still boot and they would still launch into a no view environment. They just would not use the proprietary driver with this kernel update. He says if, if the NVIDIA users start complaining, then we'll definitely need to stop doing major kernel updates because Negativo support, NVIDIA support is proprietary. NVIDIA support is important for product strategy. So now we're putting product strategy above freedom as well. Boyer responded, that's a completely untenable position. There is only one kernel for all of the additions of Fedora. The workstation server and cloud additions all use the same version of the kernel they always have. And that's kind of a good thing for developers using Fedora workstation who are developing server or cloud applications that they then want to run on their Fedora cloud or Fedora server install. You're going to want the same versions of everything between those. Here Michael Catanzaro is suggesting that they're going to start maintaining different versions of the kernel for the different uh, different versions of their distribution, which seems like it would make using the same distro in different places kind of less powerful. So the core of this entire conflict, like I've been saying, is the Fedora project as a whole is dedicated to free software, and it also lacks the resources to maintain three different kernels for each of its three different editions. So that's two different reasons why we should be using the same kernel on everything. Number one, we're dedicated to free software. But even completely separate from that, from a completely pragmatic point of view, if Fedora doesn't have the resources to maintain different versions of the kernel, if they're going to slow down their entire release cycle of all of their additions, possibly even cause big problems for future versions by deciding that they're going to put in all of that extra work to maintain different kernels for each edition, that's a lot of work they're committing to from a pragmatic pragmatic point of view, even if you don't care about freedom at all, that is an issue that you would want to think about. However, even though that is the position of the Fedora project, the workstation, the Fedora workstation edition working group, they don't care about freedom and they don't care about Fedora project as a whole. They're focused on desktop success and success unfortunately is measured in how many people are using your product and they are willing to compromise somewhat on both free software and current software, two of the founding pillars of Fedora, if it seems necessary to get more people using the distro. Now Catanzaro, the one suggesting these changes that would hold back the entire distribution because Nvidia's proprietary drivers don't work. He argues that the Workstation Edition's working group has been given full control over the edition, which they have, and that extends to the kernel, he says. And he says that they are willing to use that control if need be to ensure that an important proprietary driver keeps working. Once again, I would like to point out there is an open source NVIDIA driver. This is not like anyone with a an NVIDIA graphics card would stop having their computers turn on. It's not like they wouldn't be able to log into a GUI. They're not going to get full graphics acceleration 
with the the open source driver because quite frankly the nvidia open source driver does suck and i'm going to address the elephant in the room here and this makes me kind of uncomfortable covering this story i am using the proprietary nvidia driver on my laptop so am i hypocritical for calling these people out on defending the proprietary driver yeah, I kind of am hypocritical um, because I am knocking them for putting the proprietary driver first when I am using the proprietary driver. However, I can tell you if I was on Fedora, I would understand if my, my graphics drops down to the open source driver for a few weeks while NVIDIA gets their crap together because a Linux kernel update came out. I would know what's going on and I would understand why that's happening. I might not be happy about it. I don't know. I can tell you this, if NVIDIA's open source driver situation does not get better before the next time I buy a computer, I am not going to buy a computer with an NVIDIA graphics card in it. I'm not going to be buying another computer for years, but if I were to buy another computer today, it would have an AMD graphics chip in it. I don't really want Intel because I don't want integrated graphics, but AMD's open source driver support is way better than Intel's at this point. NVIDIA only wins in the Linux space with that proprietary driver. Their proprietary drivers make their cards more powerful than AMD's with the open source drivers. And I got my laptop from a Linux laptop manufacturer. I got my laptop from System76 and all of their computers come with NVIDIA cards in them. That tells you System76 doesn't really care about freedom that much either. At least they don't care about freedom more than getting people to buy their computers. Just like Fedora, they care about freedom until it gets to the point where people stop using the distro. And then they don't care about freedom any more than they care about getting more people using the distribution. So yeah, I feel a little bit awkward where I'm at with this whole thing because I am using the proprietary drivers. At the same time, there are lots of people out there who are not using the proprietary drivers. There are plenty of people out there who do use the open source NVIDIA drivers, and there are even more people out there probably using AMD drivers, either proprietary or open source. I mean, think about that. That's just for simplicity's sake, say that 40% of the Fedora users are on AMD. That's a complete guess. I pulled that number out of nowhere, but even if NVIDIA is the dominant card, let's say 40% of Fedora users have AMD or Intel graphics and 60% have NVIDIA graphics, proprietary NVIDIA graphics. Now, the Linux kernel developers did their job and updated the kernel. NVIDIA is not doing their job in updating their driver. So because NVIDIA is not doing their job, Fedora is punishing not only that 60% of NVIDIA users, but also the 40% of their users hypothetically, that are using non-NVIDIA cards as well. There's no reason those people can't update their kernels because the AMD drivers do not have an issue with the new kernel. The Intel drivers have no issues with the new kernel. It's just NVIDIA. Katanzaro puts this in quotes, taking the entire distro hostage, I guess, he says. He acts like because he ends his statement with, I guess, that's just a 100% rock solid rebuttal to calling this taking the entire distro hostage. But it is. It is taking the entire distro hostage because there are people who are who would not be affected by this issue, but you are making them affected by this issue by putting other people before them. If I were a Fedora user who was not an NVIDIA user, and neither of those things apply to me, but if I were a Fedora user and I was an AMD or Intel graphics user, I would not be very happy about somebody saying that NVIDIA people are more important than me. So Fedora has this thing called the Fedora Engineering Steering Committee. 
Um, and Catandro suggested that they escalate this issue to that committee immediately because if nobody agrees on what's going to happen here, it's going to get escalated to that committee eventually. And that committee would basically be the judge and say, all right, ship the kernel update or all right, hold back the kernel update. They would make the final decision if there was widespread dissent in this area. However, uh, dodged a bullet here. The problem with the 4.13 kernel was actually a relatively simple problem. Once again, it's not really a problem with the kernel, but the thing in the kernel that broke the NVIDIA driver, somebody figured it out, um, and then the kernel developers were kind enough to fix that so that the NVIDIA driver works again, the proprietary NVIDIA driver works. So we raised this whole big fuss, and I've been talking about it for 20 minutes, but basically everything's fine. We don't need to worry about the update because it won't break anything after all. However, this issue will come back because kernel changes that break proprietary drivers are not all that uncommon. So Fedora is going to have to decide if it wants to be a free and bleeding edge distribution like it has always been in the past, or if it wants to throw away its identity in order to appeal to more users. Fedora is going to have to make that decision in the future. In the grand scheme of things, Fedora is not the most popular Linux distribution anyway. I don't think that they're going to make Windows go away by sacrificing their core values to get more users. I don't think that's how we're gonna beat Windows, but if Fedora thinks that's the route to go, they'll go that route, watch that space in the future. Our next article this week is a little bit of a lighter topic. Uh, this is the LibreOffice design team. They are throwing a survey on their website right now. You can go there and vote for the LibreOffice mascot until October 8th, which is the day I'm recording this episode. I actually knew this was happening before, uh, this week, I chose not to cover it because it's not that important of a thing, but we don't have a lot of stories this week. So LibreOffice, run by the Document Foundation, they decided they needed a mascot recently. It's interesting why they say they need a mascot. Now, if you go to LibreOffice.org, this is the LibreOffice logo right here, and it looks perfectly fine. I mean, I, I liked the OpenOffice logos, but I got used to the LibreOffice ones relatively quickly. The Document Foundation uses the exact same logo as well. The Document Foundation is basically just a foundation for LibreOffice. The LibreOffice design team decided that they want an alternative to the Document Foundation's trademarked logo and icon elements that can be used by the community with minimal restrictions. And this is kind of interesting. So uh, in case you weren't aware, the reason LibreOffice exists is because OpenOffice got, well, it got sold to Oracle when Oracle bought out Sun and Oracle closed down the code as well as the branding. So people forked it and made LibreOffice. The fact that the LibreOffice folks are now saying, well, we're not sure if the Document Foundation is happy with us using their logo. We need our own mascot. I don't know, it just, you know, the Document Foundation is not some corporation with a ton of different products that they've got their hands in. Like I said, the Document Foundation is basically the LibreOffice Foundation. There's not really a lot else that they're doing as far as I'm aware. So why do we need a mascot um, to be used as a local community logo without the Document Foundation brand inside? I mean, aren't we all, we, you know, when we're supporting LibreOffice, we're supporting the Document Foundation. They're the same people, they're making LibreOffice and they're fighting for open standards for documents. That's something that pretty much everyone can get behind. That's not a controversial thing. That is pretty darn, you know, every di every distribution ships LibreOffice. Nobody ever has discussions about that because we don't need to. But apparently the Document Foundation is liable to just decide that they don't want their only product to use their logo anymore in the future. Um, so we've got to make a mascot now. 
they had some criteria here and it's interesting also so we're doing this entire thing because we apparently don't trust the document foundation to let us use their logo without suing us however after this survey that they're putting out to gauge people's interest in different logo submissions they are going to do a final election from the top seven proposals and the final election to determine the new mascot will be done by the members of the document foundation so we are having the document foundation decide the new logo that is going to replace the document foundation's logo yeah i'm i'm not seeing it and i know it's not a logo it's a mascot that this survey is for but why do we need a mascot for a document editor it's an office suite it's got LibreOffice Writer is a word processor. We've got LibreOffice Calc is a spreadsheet editor. LibreOffice Impress is the slideshow presentation maker. There's also LibreOffice Base, the database manager. LibreOffice Draw, which is a very simplistic drawing program, sort of a desktop publishing program. And then LibreOffice Math, which I honestly have tried several times and I can't figure out what its purpose is. But those aren't really things that, you know, you get together with your your local LibreOffice users group and talk about how you all use LibreOffice in new and exciting ways. You're opening up documents and typing documents and printing documents and sending documents via email. Not really groundbreaking stuff and not really worthy of a mascot in my opinion. However, the more entertaining part of the story, yes, I know even more entertaining than that, is this Reddit thread I found over on r slash Linux. So we've got people suggesting a paperclip for the mascot. Down here, though, we've got somebody pointing out, uh, a Redditor commented here, man, they really should have made a short list before putting it into a public vote. And then somebody else responded, actually, they did. The survey that you're seeing is the shortlist, and all of those crappy submissions you see as part of the survey, yes, they made it into the shortlist. They give a couple of examples here of things that did not make it into the shortlist. Here's one. This did not make it into the shortlist. This mascot is not good enough for the Document Foundation. Here's another one. Also, not good enough for LibreOffice. Not a good enough mascot. Now, I took the survey once again. I'm not going to bring up the survey on screen, but there is some... Well, I'll just say there's some not very good submissions in there. This commenter says, That cockatoo is better than at least 80% of the stuff in the survey, and I would agree with that assessment. I mean, for crying out loud, we actually had we actually had an anime girl in the survey to become the LibreOffice mascot. I do not know who would have voted for that for a freaking document suite. Um, but, you know, this little, this little bird here... No, yeah, that, that bird's a no-go. So if you want to help decide the new mascot, if you happen to watch this in like the hour after I publish it, that it will still be October 8th, then you can go and take the survey. Otherwise, this is just a heads up that LibreOffice is getting a mascot and I anticipate it'll be an interesting one based on what I saw in that survey. Not much else going on there though, so we will move on. Long-term support Linux kernel just got a an extended support term, basically. So the Linux kernel has different versions. It's got the, the stable version, which is what everyone's computers use. And then we've got long-term support, which is what basically embedded devices. It's possible to use the long-term support kernel on your desktop computer. Not really much of a need for it. If you really, really need stability though, you can use the long-term support kernel. Now in the past, the long-term support Linux kernel has been supported for two years after it's published. However, Google pulled some strings and now the Linux kernel is going to have six year long-term support versions. And that's kind of a testament to how powerful Google is that they were able to speak nicely to the Linux kernel developers and convince them of the merits of tripling the time that they have to support these long-term support versions. 
The reason Google is interested in this is because they, they say the problem with long-term support is it's only two years, which is still more than the non-long-term support, but only two years of support is not good enough for Android, Google says. When you're developing an Android device, you start development pretty early on. By the time that your system on a chip hits the market, you have maybe a year, if you're lucky, of LTS kernel support. After that, then the device manufacturer would have to update the kernel. Oh my god, updating kernels! Putting in the effort to update devices that you sold people. Wow, what a crazy concept. But Google's realized the device manufacturers aren't doing that. We've talked about Android's Project Treble recently that's going to make it easier on manufacturers. They don't have to lift as many fingers to update Android on their devices. So starting with the 4.4 Linux kernel, which was actually released way back in January 2016, we are now going to have six-year long-term support versions of the kernel. 4.4 will be supported until early 2022. And the result is that vendors of Android devices will be able to port new versions of Android to the devices years after they ship. They will be able to port new versions of Android. Are they actually going to do that? Because they were already able to, they just had to put in the work to update the kernel. They were perfectly able to, they just decided that wasn't worth it. So now that we've taken out the work of updating the kernel, are they now going to just decide, oh, it's worth it, let's update people's Androids so that they don't have to buy a new phone every two years. I just don't see that happening, you know. Um, planned obsolescence is a thing in the cell phone world. You know, I've got a OnePlus 2 and I have Lineage OS on this thing, so I am on the latest version of Android. If I did not root this thing and install Lineage, if I had the stock ROM of Android that came with this phone, then it would be outdated because OnePlus has already stopped updating the OnePlus 2 and it's barely two years old. I've had it for less than two years. Um, so already, and OnePlus is one of the more consumer-friendly phone manufacturers too. If you're talking about like Samsung, Motorola, you know, those people updating their Android versions after a year, forget about it. I think this is going to put more strain on kernel developers and I don't think it's actually going to help Android security. And I also think it's kind of rude of Google to politely suggest that the kernel developers start doing this when Google is actively working on their Fuchsia kernel that is not going to use Linux anymore. They really don't care about Linux as a whole, they just care about their devices right now. And Google's big enough and powerful enough they were able to get it done. So there's that. This next story I'm a lot more positive about, the Librem 5. Take a look at this. We've been talking about this for weeks on the show. This is Purism's crowdfunding campaign for a cell phone that is built for privacy from the ground up. Now, I installed Lineage OS on my Android phone, and even though I installed Lineage OS and installed the bare minimum Google stuff to get it working reasonably, there's still all kinds of Google services in this phone that are tracking where I'm going, who I'm talking to, all kinds of stuff. This Librem 5 phone by Purism is going to run Linux mainline kernel Linux with KDE or GNOME, your choice. They were asking for $1.5 million to make this thing, and I wasn't sure if they were gonna make it. After this week though, I'm pretty sure they're gonna make it. They are up to $1.38 million raised. That is 92% at the time of this recording. I'll actually refresh the page here just to see if it's still there. Yeah, 92%. That's absolutely crazy. I don't know what happened this week. There's actually, somebody posted a graph on Reddit 
of the donations. So this blue line here is how much money this uh, dotted blue line is how much money purism has gotten. The red line is what they needed to get. And then this lighter blue line that's curved behind it, that curve is the trend line that purism was expecting. So as you can see, um, they started off sort of strong, you know, they're going along kind of stable. And then KDE announced that they were going to be supporting the Libram 5. So that caused a spike in donations. Kept going on a little bit, and then Gnome announced that they were going to be supporting the Libram 5. Another big spike in donations. This week, right here, we actually crossed the threshold of how much we need. So as long as donations don't literally stall right now, they are going to meet their goal, which I am very happy about that. Now, if you haven't donated to this thing yet, or if you haven't joined in the crowdfunding campaign, you should still do it if you want to support this cause with your wallet. They haven't reached their goal yet, so don't just, don't everyone stop donating right now. We still need to get there. But there's two weeks left. We're 92% of the way there. This is a really good thing. Um, once again, the minimum that you can put in is $20 if you just want to support the project. If you're a developer, you can get a $300 development kit, or if you want a working phone delivered January 2019, so it's going to be a little over a year, it's going to cost you 600 bucks, which is $400 less than Samsung's latest device, several hundred dollars less than any of the new iPhones. So 600 bucks actually isn't bad for a decent smartphone. When this thing crossed 90% this week, uh, I, it blew my mind. I was like, wow, I don't know what happened to cause this big jump here, but something happened and people are really, really backing this thing. I have not backed it yet. I really want to, still thinking about whether I should or not, whether it's within my own personal budget, but you can make that decision for yourself and if you want to back it, back it. Otherwise, I cannot wait to see at least other people getting these phones and telling us how they work. And finally, something else here, ReactOS has just migrated its source code to GitHub. Now, in case you're not aware, ReactOS is a free as in freedom operating system. It is not a Linux distribution. It is written from scratch to be compatible with Microsoft Windows. So their goal is to write code from scratch, not being able to see the Windows code because it's proprietary, just writing code from scratch that is similar enough to Windows that you can run software made for Windows on ReactOS and it'll work all the way down to the driver level, even base, basic stuff. Most components of ReactOS are uh, licensed under the GPL. Some components are licensed under BSD, but they are, it is a freeze and freedom operating system in addition to freeze and cost. Now this is interesting. ReactOS source code has been migrated from a central subversion interface was what they were using before to a decentralized Git repository. Now, even though they say it's decentralized because it's Git, it is centralized because it's on GitHub, which takes the decentralized right out of Git. Now they do still obviously anticipate um, benefits coming from switching from Subversion to Git. That's why they made the change. But GitHub is not open source. GitHub is actually proprietary, I just wanna point out. Everyone is on GitHub these days though, so not much we can do about that. Now ReactOS has a source code history of more than 20 years and they migrated all of that history with them to GitHub, which I think is really cool. If you don't want to interface with GitHub because it's proprietary, uh, ReactOS does have their own Git mirror. You can go to it right here and they've got this ReactOS.Git. This is a repository that mirrors GitHub and you can look at it without actually being on GitHub. Finally, ReactOS gave a shout out to the KDE project because the KDE project has a very nice SVN to Git export tool. And ReactOS was able to use that for the conversion. So good on KDE for making that. And it's really, it is neat. Even though it's GitHub and I know GitHub's not open source, it's still neat that you can just go to GitHub and see an entire operating system, like the entire thing. 
including the kernel and everything else around it too. Like we've got just C++ files or just C files, whatever this stuff is for an entire freaking operating system uh, just on GitHub. It, it's really neat. So feel free to go check that out if you've ever wondered what exactly React OS is made of. But with that, that is our last story this week. Like I said, we didn't have a lot of stories this week, but there were a few that I felt strongly about. I'm always down for just blindly yelling at people who aren't here to defend themselves. If you have any thoughts about any of the stories I talked about today, I know I'm awfully critical of people um, and projects. I'm just giving my take on it. But if you have any thoughts, feel free to leave them in the comments down below or on the Nerd on the Street forums over at nerdonthestreet.com. Oh, another thing. This week, YouTube once again decided that the work I put into rolling release is worth absolutely nothing because they went ahead and demonetized my video for being not advertiser friendly. This has been an issue with quite a few episodes of rolling release, like every other episode has been getting flagged. This little yellow monetization icon, that means not advertiser friendly, and they won't even tell me if they're not putting any ads on it or if it's just limited ads. It says limited or no ads. They know if they told people, people would actually get mad about it. Now obviously rolling release is nothing extremist, and obviously I'm going to continue making these videos even if YouTube decides that they don't want to let me monetize them. However, just thought I would throw out that YouTube is still demonetizing our videos because they need to support their high quality advertisers that cannot be seen with disrespectful content such as rolling release. Now interestingly enough, one of the very next ads that I saw on YouTube was clickbait. So I really don't know why, you know, if it's clickbait, Clickbait needs to protect its reputation. It can't be seen with extremist things such as Nerd in the Street. I don't know why YouTube prioritizes these people over me, but if you think that's crap like I do and you want to help Nerd in the Street make videos, go to nerdclub.nots.co and you can join the Nerd Club. It's $3 a month. Just chip in $3 a month and um, it'll take my reliance off of YouTube and reward me for the work I put into these videos when YouTube decides it doesn't want to. But with that, that's everything I have this week. Richard should hopefully be back again next week. Thanks everyone for watching. I'm Jacob Kaufman with Nerd in the Street and I'll see you all next time. Bye.